0: This show is part of the Head Stuff Podcast Network. Topland Podcast is basically
1: Suzanne Kane and PJ Gallagher. It is a podcast that is designed very much look at the negative side of things and tell you that it is okay to get up in the morning and live your day. Suzanne Kane slightly crazy conservative lady and ultra liberal lunatic head case me PJ Gallagher doing our best to put a smile on your face
0: it's a midlife it is literally a midlife crisis podcast start from next week
1: we'll have 10-15 minutes of extra bonus material that will be on the podcast every single week which will be very focused instead of this usual sort of demented ranting excuse me and you can sign up together on
0: headstuffpodcast.com where you will find loads of other brilliant podcasts with, with real all real brilliant topics and loads already. of great bonus material that isn't us but stick with us too thank you Welcome to another episode of Film Network Ireland's Wrap Chat, brought to you with the wonderful support of Wildcard Distribution, Film Equipment Store, and Octavid.com. Hi, I'm Remy Michelle Clark, and today I'm talking to freelance sound engineer and voiceover artist, Tim O'Donovan. Lovely to have you with us, Tim.
1: Thanks for having me, Remy. Good to see you.
0: You too, in person for change. Weird, isn't it? Very odd, very odd. Still trying to get to grips with this uh, new normal. I know we're very sick of that term, but how's this new normal going for you?
1: Is the new normal the new old normal?
0: I don't know. Is there a new new normal?
1: This, this, I, I guess I just answered a question with a question, but uh, I, if, if it is seeing people in person, then yes, uh, this is probably the first time I've done it. No, actually, I've been doing a few uh, recordings, ADR stuff uh, in person, but, you know, obviously behind glass and the director being on Zoom or mm. other technologies. Um, but that's odd. Usually I'm just hold away and <laughs> squirreled away in my uh, in my studio at home. Studio,
0: mixing. studio or wardrobe?
1: Uh, no, actually, when I moved into my house, uh, I didn't have a kitchen. Uh, but of course, my priorities were where I put my studio, so I renovated the attic first, or converted the attic. So it is actually so it's slightly more than a wardrobe.
0: Very nice. But uh, what did you do for food? Was it a well? there was DF a good cafe the around home. the corner, right, yeah. and
1: got sick of their sandwiches very quickly mm-hmm. when I was doing up my house. But uh, no, I, you know, I, I as long as I have a gas burner and a. Uh, and a fridge, I'm grand, you know, yeah. look after myself.
0: Yeah, so it's all good.
1: It is. Uh, yeah, so um, yeah, just to answer your question, em, it is odd seeing people in person mm. uh, and actually uh, even just without glass or something like that. Or uh, no, And the other thing, seeing people's mouths. Yeah. That's weird.
0: Yeah, the whole of their face. They're mm. not just eyes. No, eyes
1: are great and everything. and You can express a lot, but the mouth helps.
0: Yeah, it does, especially when you're in this line of work, which is all sound, speaking and all of that. So tell me a bit more about that. You're a sound engineer and you're also a voiceover artist. And if I'm correct, you're a musician too.
1: I'm a recovering drummer. and Recovering uh, drummer. I'm a, I guess I've been producing music bef- since before. That's what got me into post-production. Because if you talk to most post-production audio engineers, they have a, a dark history in, in music uh, that sort of can dovetail or people sometimes leave the music behind. I'm kind of... Music has sort of, uh, I press pause on music to get into post-production and then only recently I kind of come back to music. Mm. Kind of, uh, it's nice to have two things going on. Um, and then a third, yes, being the voiceover. So I've i have done voiceover for the last, gosh, I say 15. It's probably close to 20 in at this point. Mm. And that stemmed from, uh, you might remember a, I don't think it's in existence anymore, uh, a website called Piehole.
0: Oh, I do remember. Of course. <laughs> um, Any Irish voiceover worth their salt was on Piehole, well, I'm it, sure. It
1: was the training wheels of yeah. many a voiceover, I think. And uh, I I owe everything to Piehole. And, and Priscilla. Priscilla is now in the depths of, I think, Chile or South Africa. I don't know. Where, I think not know she's from South Africa, but I think she, she and her husband moved to Chile and they do online videos and stuff. Oh, great. But uh, that's them from taking a hike with her once and a friend. She said, did you ever think of doing voiceovers? She was recruiting while hiking in Enniskerry.
0: Which is the best way to do it?
1: I think so. Walk and talk, mm. and then, um, and then that got me in because you know you didn't really need a.
0: She must have been impressed by your breath control going up the hills. That must she? have been
1: it. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And my ability. Hard to, to do. And my ability to uh, pronounce place names. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so, yeah, I I, I've, I guess if, if you wanted to call it, a, the, my portfolio career has overlapped in all, in all things audio from music to voiceover to post-production audio.
0: And were, were there any signs that that was going to be the case for you? Were you always into music as a child or, you know, <laughs> the, did you love the sound of your own voice? The or? signs
1: were there from an <laughs> early age.
0: What does uh, that look like? Doctor,
1: uh, uh, it looks like me... Apparently I was, even in the womb, either I was boxing or drumming, so I'd like to say drumming. Okay. Because I was never very good at sports, and I've only ever hit one person, and it wasn't a very hard hit. And I ran away in the schoolyard when I was six, I think. Okay. But, um... And
0: what was that over, do you mind me asking?
1: He really annoyed me, but I can't remember why. And then I spent the rest of the day hiding from him, because I thought he'd
0: reprise.
1: Yeah, and you might know bigger lads in the class who'd get me, but, uh... I think I was trying to just practice a MacGyver or uh, an A-team hit that, you know, they went to yeah. get, and, you know, and I was, I guess I was hoping there'd be a, like when I hit, but there was no Foley.
0: Yeah. It was oh. just
1: a classic crap hit. Anyway. And that's what made that you
0: and, become a sound engineer. Yes.
1: I want to do embellish reality. Yeah. Um, so what was that? Oh yeah. The science. Oh yeah. Then banging pots and pans, uh, listening to my, oh yeah, my uncles and grandfathers record collections that I found in my grandparents' house. That was huge. Um, So you were
0: a nice and quiet child.
1: Very refined. Yeah, I wouldn't say boo to a goose. Yeah, Mm. that's not true. Um, (laughs) I think it was quite precocious. Uh, And uh, then um, cut to age seven. Uh, I think I might have picked up a guitar to sing happy birthday, but I didn't know how to play the guitar. But obviously I would bring it to my cousin's birthday party and pretend. I don't really know. I just had a innate self-confidence of youth, I guess. Mm-hmm. And then I um, uh, did a bit of drama in school and I was recruited to be Tiny Tim in A Christmas Carol in the Gate Theatre. That was my first Fantastic. and only professional uh, onstage um, acting. That's
0: some claim to fame. It was
1: my debut on my song, swan song. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought I'd get it over with.
0: And who was in uh, Who was in the cast oh, at well, that time?
1: Oh, um, the stalwart Alan Stanford, um Des Kyo. Fantastic. Des Kyo was uh, Scrooge. Lovely man. Um not Scrooge, but I've I've come to I have only recently I watched Muppet Christmas Carol and I realised uh, that Scrooge wasn't evil. He was just lonely and sad. But uh I think
0: that's a sign of maturity. I think it is. Yeah, yeah. eventually. Yeah, Mm.
1: I I copped because I never, nobody explained to me why I said the goose or God bless us, everybody. They were just lines. Yeah. And there's lots of wandering around backstage waiting for your cue. I'm sure I missed once or twice. Uh, I actually, once I got so bored, I um, was, I found crayons, which Mm -hmm. I thought were crayons. Turns out they were very expensive makeup face paints for the Ghost Ah. of Christmas Future, is a scary one? Oh yeah, and I upset the ghost of Christmas Future, and that kind of that's possibly what put me off acting.
0: Because um, perhaps you were taken to task for that. And yeah, well, I
1: scribbled so. all over, I drew everything onto his mirror uh, and all over his his, his you know what do you call it? They're not desk vanity
0: vanity area, area. yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> With those, you know, those. Uh, I'm just looking at them here through the door here in the studio, which are lovely podcast studios. You know, the the five lights, mm-hmm. it's very showbiz. Oh yeah. Um, Less so the fluorescent strip above your head, though. Uh,
0: <laughs> well, we'll pretend. We'll, d- we'll edit that we'll out in that post. The podcast, yeah. Yeah. That's
1: the wonderful thing about post-production. You yeah. can manipulate reality. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, th- 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 what you asked me
0: initially. Not, neither do I, no. but that doesn't matter because what I'm going to ask you next <laughs> is really important. <laughs> You're freelance now, yeah. but you weren't always. So no. what made you decide to go down that route? Because it can be a bit scary. It's, and no. has it worked out for you?
1: Um, well, I ate breakfast this morning, so that's a good sign. I have yeah, yeah that's and, definitely. And a I win. still have a roof over my head. Mm-hmm. It's around a year and a half later. I went out in October, I think, twenty nineteen. After five years in the wonderful Raygun post production
0: studios, a fabulous establishment.
1: You may have crossed the threshold a few times when once I was there, or twice um, on Baggett Street, and before that, I did three years. Um, sounds like prison. Did three years in a <laughs> blank. <laughs> Brown Bag Films, that's oh, the very good, Yeah, on uh, Smithfield. And that was kind of my introduction. I, I was kind of slightly late age-wise to everything, really. Um, I kind of tend to take my time at things. And uh, after my... Be- being, a, I guess I was freelance before this, so I, as a musician, I was a drummer uh, for hire. But mainly, the main job was Bell X1 for five or six years. And then when that... when I, I kind of sort of stepped away from that um in my early 30s and then i uh, realized okay what skills do i have and it's you know uh music production which is transferable to other audio elements and i always loved cartoons so i thought brand back films well mm. you know i didn't think i would work there i saw a job and i went for it and i ended up getting it which was cool um and that led to me working in in a post-production sound and then as i said in 2019 i thought i'd Make the leap. And it's the scariest and best thing I've ever done, and having talked to people before that, you know, there's a lot of uh umming and eyeing before that personally, because what you know, one side of your brain goes, What the hell are you doing walking away from a regular wage? But the other side is this kind of craving sort of autonomy, which mm-hmm. I tend to be quite um <laughs> I tend to go and do my own thing anyway. Mm. Um so And yeah. sound
0: engineers are very much Of a type. I mean, I know it's a huge generalisation, but Mm. even when they're working within a company, they're very much in their own world and their own Mm -hmm. buzz and they don't work with each other very rarely. So it kind of makes sense that they would want to do things their way and put their own stamp on things. We
1: we are an odd bunch, but also there's the element of having worked in in bands Mm. and knowing that there's compromise involved, but then... I was always doing my own music and that involved complete control and I do enjoy that because you might have an idea trying to explain it to another musician, whereas you just do it yourself and mm-hmm. that's exactly what you had in your head. Yeah. And you're not annoying anyone or wasting anyone else's time. So yeah, it, kind of doing my own music more than anything, uh prepared me for the long hours of solitary confinement that yes. is involved in a sound engineer's posts especially sound engineer's life because i was a boom op Uh, i started out way early in my early 20s before the music took hold um i was uh trying things out and i was boom op on various things and um that could have been a route i could have taken but
0: into film and into film and and just
1: but audio but you know obviously at the very early stage of the production rather than the end but um it didn't quite like i enjoyed it but not enough and i think i also got bitten much more by the music bug in my early 20s so i veered away from holding a boom um and then actually yeah i and i got an apprenticeship in a place called mine and russell around the same time i did some running in screen scene mm. and then they didn't even have a sound department then and which, you know, dates me. But, uh, you know, they knew um, around the corner. This is all terribly colloquial, but if anyone's listening who doesn't know the Dublin post-production scene, it's crazily Dublin two... One square. Yeah, exactly. Pepper canister. Yeah, that's the epicentre. So, yeah, I got in there, but then I I think I decided I didn't want to be a post-production sound engineer just yet. Right. Uh, And I went and did a master's instead um, in multimedia, which... I think back we had one dial-up we had dial-up internet connection and a zip drive <laughs> it was yeah. so futuristic uh and nobody <laughs> nobody understood what the internet was for yet here we were doing multimedia so it was kind of so you were
0: ahead searching. of the
1: curve yeah i think don't think the curve had been made yet mm-hmm. uh, it was just it was on the precipice looking into the the internet but it was an interesting year and, and you know i got to hang out in trinity and pretend i was in harry potter or something but
0: yeah or normal people
1: or normal people. You know, I've never seen normal people. Don't admit that. That's okay, I'm <laughs> fine. I, I I haven't seen Jurassic Park, I said to a friend the other wow. day. Wow. Yeah. but well, that's a big one. Let's get around to that. Yeah, apparently it's quite successful. It's very quotable as well. Yeah, I, yeah. I
0: think it did well for itself. Yeah, you know. I, it, it
1: washed its own face. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Very much so. I a bit of back end off that, you know. <laughs> um. Yeah. I was. I've I. just. only came across it for some reason on YouTube. It tends to know what I'm thinking. But uh, one of the things was how the... It makes me really want to see it now because the aspect ratio of the first film was different to the rest of the sequels. Hence, everything, the Stegosaurus or whatever looks so huge in comparison. Basically, Spielberg got the scale correct um, and it's all real live action. Well, I don't know. know, A lot of it's very animatronic in a good way. It's like the first three Star Wars. There's no CGI and it really shows. Being a fan of the Muppets, I'm a big fan of real monsters rather than you know CGI ones, yeah. Um,
0: and that's coming back to your brown bag times and yes, indeed. the love of animation and yeah. cartoons. Funny, I mean,
1: I much prefer flat, flat animation rather than three D. But a lot of the stuff they produce is three D because of the market, the Disney and Nickelodeon and stuff.
0: And as well as your musical and sound skills, are you uh, an illustrator? Do you draw? Uh, <laughs> I did, you? Art you did art
1: for the <laughs> leaving. Yeah, did art for the leaving. I got an A.
0: Very uh, good. First I never used it, no. Okay. I, it's not, not so you I didn't ever, see yourself becoming an animator in terms of making the cartoons themselves?
1: No, no, that was never, really. I really just sat down after stepping away from drumming professionally and thought, okay, what is my skill set? And the one thing I knew that was a universal, it didn't matter if you did radio, TV or whatever, audio, you know, 90% of people use Pro Tools, and I kn- knew how to use Pro Tools, so mm-hmm. I just brushed up on that um in pulse actually i think did some of their courses and then um applied because you know i was mainly self-taught up to that point yeah so like like a lot of people i think are self-taught i used to think you had to know everything yeah but nobody knows everything there's always new shortcuts and new little tricks of the trade to be used to be learned so Mm,
0: i would argue people know very little but are doing their best
1: oh right (laughs) okay Is that a put down or? No, not at all. I would
0: say that, you know, most people, you know, if you think other people have it figured out or that they have a huge wealth of knowledge, not that people don't. Mm. In some cases, most of the time, we all feel like there's so much more we need to know. Well, that's
1: quite refreshing because you do tend to compare yourself to others and going, if only I knew what they knew. But I know nobody. But
0: I'd say everybody feels like that at some point, if not all the time, especially in the artistic realm, creative realms.
1: Mm. And somebody who says they've got it nailed you don't believe
0: them. No, absolutely not. No, there's something up there. There's, It's definitely a fly by the seat of your pants sort of yes. industry um, because it is changing all the time. So, mm. you know yourself. You talked about beginning as a sound engineer and um, the Internet dial up and how different <laughs> that is now. You know, and yeah. you the tech is changing at a rapid rate and constantly shifting and you mm. have to kind of go with it or. Do you, you know, is it absolutely necessary that you keep up with the tech advancements that are happening or hmm. are there some sound engineers who are really old school and are just like, no, this is the way I've always done it and this is the way I'll always do it.
1: Well, there's a certain post-production studio in town that only re- only got Pro Tools last year, uh, which always blew my mind. But he yeah. was so comfortable on his old, uh, um, I, th- I can't actually remember what it was. It, it was, it, and it worked perfectly. For what he needed it for, but I guess maybe the inter interconnectedness inter, inter of things may, may, meant that if you get files in from Pro Tools, it's handy to have Pro Tools. Yeah. But um, whatever works, like uh, I'd be like that in music as well. Um, if it sounds good, it is good, and th- I I find it very boring when people, in all aspects talk about oh I got this mic and it makes me that much better or this synth is the new synth you need or you know drum kit is you know 10 times better than the other one I think you know it's down to the plane. Well
0: you can just keep going with that can't you you know there's no mm. end to the better microphone or the better piece of equipment or this or that.
1: No but I would say that uh, the one um, and this is something like <laughs> I've actually forked out on an iPhone recently it's the most expensive thing I've ever bought but um, I kind of felt I needed to upgrade in that department I'm sure there were market forces telling me to do that mm-hmm. so I can't say it was totally my idea but um, my it's simply because my old phone is cracked and bent and you can't take photographs of it which you're going to miss um, and it's twice the size of the one I, of the new one so I hate things that stick out in your pocket and stuff so there is that anyway uh, the one thing I always thought was a bit slow on in the Irish world of voiceover actually was the remote recording because I was always fascinated by American You know, I think I think of America as the home of, you know, the VO guy or girl. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't know if you ever saw um, In a World with them.
0: I uh, kept meaning to watch it and I never did.
1: This is your Jurassic Park moment (laughs) then, uh, because it's uh, I'm just Lake Bell. She's awesome. And she really nails what it's like to be on the voiceover scene in any city, but especially L.A. Um, And it's just so on the money and there's lots of cameos from only... If you know their voiceovers, will you know that they're famous voiceovers yeah. um, in the movie? I actually must watch it again. It's, uh, but it, yeah, so, so having sort of been very fascinated by the American model of because you know you can't just pop into town like you do in Dublin or Cork or Limerick, but it um, you still have to get a voiceover done. So they, it's always been everyone having their own VO studios of some description in their own houses um, and the idea now of most VOs in the last year, like I've recorded podcasts remotely from my setup at home. People are in all, all parts of the world. I'm doing the ADR remotely. Um, and it's just the way it should be, I think. And and maybe the mixture of both, because obviously it's nice to sit across the table with you and, um, uh, there is that human interaction that's missing, but if you've got a job to do and you're just dropping in, oops, dropping in ADR lines or something, um, you don't need to be in the room and the director doesn't have to be there. Like a couple of weeks ago, I was doing ADR on something and initially the director was told to be in the in, the, in screen scene, which is the, the place on Man Street. I'm sure everyone knows, but I don't presume they do. Um, but then the next week she said, you know what, I'm just going to do this from home. There's no point to me coming in here because I'm not even in the room because mm. she was zooming in from another part of the building because of COVID regulations. Mm. But I really just think it amplifies the idea that you don't have to be there. Th- the connections are there. And since ISDN died, a thankful death. Oh My God. Jesus. I mean, ISDN, great in theory, shite in practice. Absolutely. Um, The the,
0: originator of all gremlins.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And there used to be this guy when I worked in Reagan called Willie. And I imagined him, he was a guy up in the north. I imagined him in a little Nissen hut, like in wartime Northern Ireland or something. And he, he had knowledge and maybe manuals of all the isdn machines in the world and he'd be able to hook you up remotely <laughs> incredible man I'd, I'd love to send him a bottle i think we did send him a bottle of whiskey at christmas because he saved our asses so many times because um and it'd be like software updates or press this button twice and that'll get you talking and now it's all just source connect or even zoom, zoom stuff. yeah yeah it's fantastic uh, and that's i think that opened things up because like i was even thinking myself i'd love to as much as I love living in Dublin, I, I've really noticed things about Dublin a lot in this past year because I live in the city centre that I wouldn't necessarily miss. Um, and, I've, and it's wonderful to be able to pop in and, and do jobs. But the idea of being able to do that from elsewhere in the country or Europe or whatever, just as easily mm. is super cool. And, and and I don't think we should be restricted by geography anymore.
0: Absolutely. And uh, I was going to ask you about that, you know, voiceover has changed hugely Mm. in the last 10 years. The structure of the business model, to use that term, is vastly different. But then, now in the last year, how much it has changed again. Mm. Just, it's gone fast forward. Now, I know that all technology around sound is changing all the time and all types of technology, but really in the last year, it has opened it up to so many different people, but it has also maybe caused a few issues, perhaps, you know, because... Everyone is learning on their feet. Not everyone's a sound engineer. Not everyone has the ear to figure out how to get things working. Mm. Um, and I know that from my own experience. You know, I had to learn on my feet and, like, learn how to... How did you learn? Uh, I By absolutely the grace of God. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I had no idea what I was doing. I had to use YouTube uh, videos. I had to ask sound engineers for their advice, you know. And I eventually have got it to a point where now I can do the basic stuff. But mm. I still... Need a sound engineer, you know, really sure. to do a proper job mm-hmm. because it's not something you can just learn overnight. Well, unless you are already that way inclined or very technically minded, which mm. I'm not. So, what kind of problems have you seen and what are the benefits, do you think, to oh. this change? Oh, right. Well, yeah, it,
1: it, it's again, there's people having to, and it's brilliant. Um, and I guess it gives everyone a kick up, in the, a, mm. up the ass because now, you know, you are now on the American model of voiceovering where you have that go to home studio where you don't necessarily have to be in situ. And I presume there's at at this point you're it's broadcast quality stuff. I have a voice doppelganger as well. (laughs) Yeah. Um. And it's it's really uncanny because I even it's not only friends who I hear on uh, who've heard me on um, a Centra ad or Mm. something, Uh, or I've been confused by hearing a voice that I thought was me. I didn't record that. Yeah. Did I?
0: Um, yeah my mum likes to say they copy me but that's my mum.
1: There you go. well mums are great they don't <laughs> yeah, see they're any of the flaws. So, yeah
0: they are great.
1: Which is probably not a good thing not to see <laughs> people's flaws but no. you know that's what they're that's what mums do. Yeah. But yeah uh, the uh, the idea of everyone having a place at home and yeah of course there's going to be teething problems but um it is possible like even just looking at I think some I just some one talk show I was watching Mark Ruffalo was saying oh do you want to see how I do my ADR and literally he put a Blanket over his head and went into his closet, and uh, that's what's that's been happening over mm-hmm. the last few. Uh, this, I was talking about this to somebody else only last night because he texted me and he's working on a documentary, a fellow sound engineer, and he's saying, "Do you have anything um, to take the artifacts out of uh, Zoom calls and crappy audio?" Uh, you know, I just saying, welcome to my world for the past year because um, there's only so much you can do with original audio that is crushed and bit crushed mm-hmm. and thin in the first place you know uh and often recorded on an iphone earbud rather than a microphone Mm -hmm. yeah so um you know you can only improve it by a few percent yeah but the interesting thing is and even looking at like i'm a big fan of the u.s talk shows like colbert and uh conan and stuff like that but um all their interviews switched to zoom and now it's just a given that there will be slightly shit audio but people are very accepting of that Mm -hmm. whereas It used to, it drove me nuts this time last year trying to make things sound hi-fi when you just have to give up at some point and go, this is not recorded on a super cool, you know, three grand microphone. This is what it is. And people just have to accept it. But I think people have because um, I guess they're used to recording slightly crappy audio on their Mm -hmm. phones and most people don't really care. It becomes quite normal be interesting to see if audio quality how it will improve because i'm sure zoom are at it trying to get it more hi-fi because people are doing live streams you know doing concerts over zoom and and facebook live and stuff like that Mm -hmm. um but just as an audio engineer it kind of hurt the ears yes but you kind of just have to get on with it yeah um but it is wonderful like i was just inspecting this shure a55m here with the (laughs) um very nice uh what was it oh yes the the fat head um, Very good. This other attachment underneath, which often goes into an SM7, to boost the signal, and it's just, it's lovely. It just
0: gives a lovely warm, it crisp does, yeah. sound,
1: mm-hmm. right in the eardrums. <laughs> uh, what did you ask me just about? Th- th- the idea of uh, a home Yeah, just how things
0: have changed, yeah. you know, and it, the fact that they were changing slowly over time, you know, the model of how you got, gone are the days where you had your agent and that was it. And the calls just came in oh, one after yes, another. You've noticed that too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a great, that you know, that was a golden era, maybe you could say, of voiceover, but it's gone and it's been gone or going out the door when for a When did you realise that? Um, I think I realized a little late, but I think it was probably about three years ago that Mm -hmm. I really noticed.
1: The phone wasn't ringing?
0: Well, just that, you know, it's not the way it used to be where I could completely rely solely on my agent to be able to have a a nice life. You know, you have to become self-governing self-governing as well. Absolutely. You have to diversify and you need to look at all the options out there. Yep. And uh, you have to become your own agent, basically. Yeah. And you need more, not just in one country and especially not in somewhere like Ireland, which is such a small pool. Right. And the pool of voiceovers are growing all the time because everyone can get their home studio. So. Everyone's
1: bought a mic off Thoman as well. So, Abs- yeah.
0: <laughs> absolutely. Toman you know, Ireland has shares in Thoman, probably. <laughs> I'd say so. <laughs> <laughs> and and
1: uh, uh, IKEA and, Thoman, and you know, we just keep them both afloat.
0: Basically. Irish
1: people. People, yeah,
0: yeah and, that's uh, interesting.
1: That's very interesting. And that I, I, I guess, uh, it, and it's a funny one for me, slightly schizophrenic because I straddle both sides of the microphone. Yeah. So you're going, okay, how's my uh, voice career going? Oh crap! I need to spin the plate of the um, audio engineering. Oh crap! I want to make an album too. So I'm in the middle of I, I sort of a, a three, three large dinner plates spinning at all times, and some of them are wobbling more than others, and it's kind of hard sometimes. But you know. I guess it's, uh, I might get bored if I didn't have them, Mm. um, or might become far too successful in one of them. (laughs) But no, I could never give up one of them, Uh, and music has really popped back into my life hugely. Mm. But you're very, uh, but again, that's a huge thing where you're very, it's self-governance, and you are your own agent, your own booking agent, and I learned that a lot in my earlier days of not... It's nice to obviously make contacts and people can help you, but if, if you don't do the, the bulk of the work, nobody wants to know about you because there's mm. thousands of other people doing the same thing as you. Absolutely. Um, I guess it's like any product. If you have to shout about it a bit yourself before anyone believes in it.
0: 100%, uh, you have to back yourself. And yeah. also, we aren't uh, confined to the island of Ireland That's anymore, yeah. which is fantastic. It opens you up to China, America, Canada, anywhere you want in the world. You can You can, anyone who wants to you know, have an English-speaking voiceover. Yeah. You know, you do not have to limit yourself to the Dublin two postcode anymore.
1: Which is wonderful for the head. You know, because that can be a little constricting. Um Just as an outlook, you know, just the idea of the whole world being on your plate is, is a, as as an option is fantastic, and the the opportunities that can come from it. Do you just as a voiceover with a, a, an Irish accent, not an Irish accent, mm. but a, it's you know recognisably Irish? Are you approached for the Irish? voiceover or is it just the English speaking voiceover?
0: I in my um, I think because generally my voiceover voice is very neutral. It is Irish recognizably, but it's Mm. very neutral Irish. So I would get a lot of European um, clients coming to me to do the English. And I often get told that I'm too English British sounding. Really? I once got told I sounded like Margaret Thatcher. I don't know where <laughs> they got that one from. <laughs> but apparently to Margaret Thatcher.
1: This lady is not for turning. <laughs> okay.
0: But yeah. So wow. um Do you ever get
1: asked by friends to do your voice over voice?
0: Oh yeah, all the time. Yeah. They love it.
1: Re- read the back <laughs> read the side of that bottle and I'll do mine.
0: This is my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'll shut up. <laughs> I'm the one asking the questions here now, Tim. I know.
1: That's my inquisitive nature. Yes. What does this button do?
0: <laughs> um so tell me more about the music. So you... Yeah. you It came to an end at the early, earlier part of your career when you were with Bell When one Were you writing songs as well as drumming for them or...? Funny,
1: I, actually, this building we're in... This used to be the drum room.
0: Wow. Yeah,
1: um, of Westland Studios. This building actually has a lot of history for me. Man. If there was a ceiling fan, I'd be staring at it like... Um, Apocalypse Now... Um,
0: I was talking about layering timelines. Indeed. Very interesting. Yes. Uh, multi-track
1: memories here. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I remember rehearsing. It was around the time of their, I think it's their third album, Music in Mouth, or was it Flo- Flock? Anyway, and I actually, I was only thinking of it coming down here on the bike, of how I, did they have a song called Flame? is there a really... Cool kind of disco song, and they asked me to try out because I was their live drummer. I was hired as their live drummer because Paul Newman, the singer, was he did a Phil Collins and came out from behind the kit and they needed somebody to fill that space. And I guess they had had session guys before, but they needed somebody more of a but well, I was never a full member, but I wasn't a session guy. I was kind of uh, you know their drummer, yeah. you know, and um I remember trying out uh, they gave me a shot at a very early demo version of Flame. But uh, alas, it wasn't used. But I was only thinking, where is that tape now? I'd be fascinated to hear my drumming style at the time, um, because uh, you know, like your voice, like everything, it changes and your skill set changes. So um, uh, uh, a lot of my drumming favorites would be sort of less is more drumming. Um, sorry, I'm just I'm going down memory lane here, but you can't hear it because it's in my head. So
0: so, what does less is more drumming mean to?
1: Just sort of. It's 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 if grooves rather than chops, chops being, you know, fancy fills and, you know, crazy time signatures. But if you I always thought I guess it's because I always loved electronic dance music, which drum machines would be slightly simpler in their Mm. beats. But
0: so less jazz and more
1: funk. But like everything comes from jazz, like John Bonham, one of my favorite and most people just drop his name because he's kind of a drummer's drummer. But he, you know, a lot of the 60s and 70s drummers would have had a grounding in jazz and they have that swing like Brian, Brian Downey from um, Tin Lizzy, for example, like I'm sure he actually recorded here. I see loads of people recorded in this very room, um, which is quite exciting. There used to be a grand piano just over where the um, the door is as well. Um, but yeah, you can hear the swing, the, the jazz element. So it's more, it, it might have been just an excuse to say, I can't play jazz. But uh, and hence I like to keep things very straight. No, sorry, straight is the wrong word. Simple. Mm. If it's straight, it's kind of rigid, but if it's it has to groove, but be simple leave lots of space so that is my slight drumming tangent you asked me about the drumming uh, about the music
0: yes um, so that would have been where you began right and then you stopped it didn't it didn't you decided to let yeah. it go and how was it to come to that decision no, I and mean,
1: you actually said did you write songs as well um i yeah. was always doing my own stuff as well it was called neo super vital which was like this crazy synth pop character i dreamed up the wore a suit and flashing glasses and played a synth casio guitar um and when I look back, like we, we played so many shows and I guess that's how the guys from Bellex One heard about me and heard I play drums, etc. And that got the, the connection going. But um, when I look back at the footage of myself, it's just like, who is that guy? Um, we played so many shows and ended up touring with the Human League and stuff. And that was wow. just insane. Um, but it's almost like I look at him and I guess I was a character like I was, you know, hiding in this suit and glasses, uh, and
0: sounds very Elton John,
1: very Elton John. I was thinking more hmm, well name your name your alter ego. And, you know, it's it's on much easier to put on a mask and then, you know, create something around that rather than, you know, maybe expose yourself fully. Um,
0: and do you think that comes, you know, that's really interesting that you had a mask or an alter ego to mm-hmm. perform as a musician when now, there's a real tension, it seems, in what you've chosen to do between being seen and heard and being completely anonymous. Yeah. So what? What do you tension, think that yeah. is?
1: And just thinking, the, uh, even as a drummer, you do—you do, you can hide behind the symbols and the Absolutely. drum kit. You're the one so person who's stationary you. behind the yeah. A barrier, you know.
0: Yeah, you—you're you, kind of able to. You're both, you know, the thing that holds it all together, mm. and also something that can sort of blend into the background Indeed, somewhat. Yeah, yeah.
1: The backbeat, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, sometimes uh, you have to remember where you are if you're. Um, you know, when you're recording somebody in a voiceover, I guess I, I like to think it always made me somewhat more aware of how to give direction as a sound engineer when recording a voiceover. Because I, I know how horrible it is sometimes in the booth when there's a maybe a difficult client or the script hasn't been written to time, which is often the case. Mm-hmm. And um, just things that I remember sound engineers saying to me to put me at my ease more than anything else, because often you're you're there and maybe your breath goes funny because your nerves. And a lot of it's not about even reading, it's about mindset. When you're in the booth, as I'm sure you would know, it's um, appearing to be unruffled and calm when maybe you're peddling, paddling underneath. Yeah, the swan. Not peddling, paddling. The um, swan energy. Indeed, yes. Mm. Uh, rubber ducky. Um, so, I kind of like to think that I was able to talk to voiceover slightly in more in their terms because I am a voiceover, and I've always appreciated being talked to and being put at my ease by a good sound engineer. Mm. And, um, they make
0: all the difference. So I really do, actually. Yeah.
1: Actually, shout out to Dean Jones, who who was the guy I always remember put me at my ease when I was a voiceover, and he ended up hiring me. So, hi Dean. Hello Dean. Good luck with Scimitar Sound. Yes. <laughs> but uh, dot com. Dot is it okay? Not, or, not
0: yeah. Actually. Anyway, Scimitar Sound.
1: It's it's real and on the internet. I think. Yeah. But uh, yeah, um, I. Yeah, uh, but then you have to be careful not to overstep your mark as a sound engineer and go, well, this is how I would have said mm, it. Yeah. How about doing this? No, shut up and just press the
0: red button. Uh, so it must be hard to get that balance between... Your performance side as the voiceover and, you know, knowing how you want to say it. Yeah. And then the other part of you, which is the kind of behind the scenes person who just needs to cajole as sort of a, a read, a nice read that's true to that person mm. out of them. And how do you make how do you make that work?
1: Well, I guess it, it's, it's satisfying in both ways. I, um, the performer side of me loves the voiceover and delivering a hopefully. A, inevitable part of your personality comes through in the voice as well it's maybe why you're hired Uh, and it's a skill set that i I love using what i actually love particularly about it as a drummer was um the drummer is always the guy with the car who has to lug 10 instruments around whereas the guitarist just puts a guitar in his back that's what i loved about voiceover you just turn up with a pair of glasses if you wear them and maybe a pen and it's just it's all that comes it's it's so personally you that comes yeah it's free and breezy Free and
0: breezy. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> Is but it the easiest job in the world? As no. Graham Norton said.
1: Uh, I disagree. I think a lot of people make it look easy. That's not to, you know, say we're all brilliant or anything, but, uh, it's, it's when you come across somebody who isn't great, you really appreciate the guys who are. Uh, and it's when people, um, turn up and just do it, but it's so much more like a lot of jobs. I've really discovered in my years on this planet. Um, you can be really technically excellent, at whatever you do, but if if you're not a decent person to be hanging around with, nobody tends to want to work with you mm. unless you have that creative, crazy, genius thing that people love to be around. I don't know, but in 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 general, as a musician, as a band member, as a provider of voiceovers, or as a sound engineer, for my small microcosm of professional work, I've noticed that um I respond to people who are decent and uh, polite. And uh, just yeah, I'm human, um, yeah, and I don't respond well to the opposite, <laughs> and but that's but that also drives me to try and be all of the above, and yeah, but, and I don't even think it's like, oh, I must be nice to this person, just be natural and. Turn up on time and just be
0: respectful. Rec- exactly. You know, yeah. more than anything, because totally. everyone's just trying to do a job, and that's Precisely. the most important thing that we all get the job done and get it done as well as we can, and then all go home and, and live the our lives. Happy. Yeah. yeah, and everyone's happy, and then yeah. that's the best way to go about um, and hey, life.
1: Maybe we had fun doing it. Yeah, that's, I think that's a huge part. I think for me, if there's no humor or you know a little bit of not taking this too seriously, we're not really saving lives here, unless you know you're actually a you're doctor yeah. <laughs> or an ambulance driver so you know we are not at the front line of anything but that's not to denigrate what we do mm. and but it's just i uh, i do take pride in what i do uh, but i also don't believe it to be the most important thing in the world because yeah. it's not
0: absolutely a bit of perspective mm. is definitely needed and obviously it can happen where there are personalities who might Get it to a point where they think maybe they're above the job or Mm -hmm. they're above the group effort, which it always is. Mm, Uh, Anything, you know, if you're a voiceover or an actor, you're only ever a cog in a greater machine. And uh, to lose sight of that can cause problems. Mm -hmm.
1: Um, Are you remembering particular times when that happened? Absolutely (laughs) not. I don't
0: know what you're insinuating at all. But have you ever had a situation where you've really had to you know, kind of work with someone's ego and really try and dance around that a bit to get the job done. And how yeah. difficult has that been to navigate?
1: Do you mean as a sound engineer with a voiceover? Yes, or,
0: in or yeah, aspect? in any aspect. But I was, I I suppose I was thinking with a, another performer or even as a musician, you know, totally, dealing with yeah. the front men or women.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, there's always, um, it's funny when how the atmosphere in, say, for example, you're conducting a, or you're I the verb to drive a session because you kind of are, and if, you, if you're at the desk, you're kind of in the driver's seat, and the passenger might be the onto to your right. <laughs> is the excuse me, I the desk foul. Um, <laughs> uh, the voiceovers in the booth to your right, the director, or the creative director is on your left, and maybe behind you, which could often throw things a bit skewy, is the client, uh, or or some, multiples, multiple clients. And some people, I've done sessions where I didn't know who these people were or what mm. they were doing here, um, and had to like I would be scribbling notes good who's that guy just in case he asked me something I can have to address him with his name or something and 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 the creative director would she'd say like uh, you know a name but it wouldn't mean anything to me so you just get on with things with the people around you who you you focus on the people who are getting the job done less but some people you sometimes think are just having a nice cup of coffee on the couch mm. you might necessarily be listening to what's to the nuances of what's going on but they will have to sign off on it in the end, which is absolutely fine. Um, I guess <laughs> the remote thing puts pay to that a little bit where you absolutely. send a, 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 a file for approval. I always put on this file name, um, you know, feedback, welcome. But it's it's it sometimes depends on the situation where the person's uh, listening to it um, and also the time constraints of, of, of a project, whether they give feedback or not or if it's constructive mm. or just feedback for the sake of it. But um yeah, sometimes attention will come into the room because somebody says something or a joke falls flat. And uh, an, an ex-boss of mine actually said, and he wasn't denigrating our job because he's an ex-sound engineer as well, he said, it's kind of like hairdressing. You've got to keep everyone happy and making them a nice cup of coffee, making them feel good about themselves and what's going on in the room and leaving wanting to come back. Mm. And um, I, initially I thought it was a bit of a frivolous comment, but actually it makes sense, especially when you're in the, that kind of group dynamic. Yes. A lot of my stuff recently has been just be in the attic, providing a service and then sending it and getting the feedback by email or maybe mm. a, a WhatsApp call or a Zoom call or something. Which and I do enjoy being left to my own devices, but um.
0: But you miss the drama. You do, the drama but sometimes the that, like
1: I'd be sweating at the end of it, yeah. Like, just and don't wear a grey t-shirt in a session. That's what <laughs> I'd say, um, because yeah. Uh, yeah, and you could see the panic. So, for example, the poor voiceover, and I've been in that situation where you're giving. What you think is what they want, and you're trying to interpret the words on the page, but also the direction of whoever is giving the direction. And for whatever reason, you're not providing it because the other and the person is or the other person isn't hearing the nuances that you think you're providing or and uh, there's just something not quite landing, and it's it's terrible,
0: yeah, it's almost and like terrifying ha-
1: terrifying for everyone, you know the poor voiceover, also the sound engineer who has to deliver the final product. To create a director who's who's been paid by the guy on the couch who's not hearing what he wants to hear. And you he might keep saying the same thing but expect different results. And yeah. it, it's actually given me a knot in my stomach just thinking about it because there would, I've remember multiple sessions like that and um very packed room and you could cut the tension with a knife. Um I might try to make the odd joke, but sometimes that wouldn't even work. Yeah. But sometimes you just have to sort of almost give signals non-verbal to the voiceover to say it's okay, we're doing fine. Or maybe we'll just take five minutes, get some air, because, you know, there's no air conditioning in a voiceover booth or whatever. So mm-hmm. that's a good excuse to step outside and just re- reconnect or reset. You know, reset. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Um,
0: because there can be so many different reasons why a session won't go to plan. And it's totally. never or al- it's not always just the voiceover's not doing the right job or this and that. It can be problems going on interpersonally between people that started years ago that come into the room Absolutely. and you have to be aware of all of these things that it's not about you it's not about you and it's so yeah. important to remember that that part but it can be so hard when you're put on the spot
1: well the, the thing is not about you you wouldn't want to be too paranoid as a voiceover because the amount of times and i'm quite sure you you've experienced this when they turn off the talk back button <laughs> but you just they say, haven't turned it off Oh, no, well, no, I was i was going to say they have.
0: Yeah.
1: Oh, wow. I Gosh, sorry to hear I that. I have a story about that. Oh, yeah, I'd like to hear yeah. it. But it—it I, it just when everything goes blank silent in your headphones and they're waffling away and they're, you know, pointing and, you know, shrugging and maybe looking at you through the glass, you can't but start feeling in the blanks. And you have to just start scribbling a, a little picture or and something. Ignore them, you know.
0: Is that why that so many voiceovers leave a litany of or a, a trail of doodles behind That's them quite at the possible, end of a, yeah. a studio to deal with the tension? A very, of very that revealing.
1: Ten, you know, tension doodles. Yeah, you know the way you, when you're on the phone or something, yeah. you start doodling and you look back and what the hell does that mean? I'm, I'm a big, big one for a uh, very uh, symmetrical squares and mm-hmm. shapes and colouring them in.
0: So um, feeling boxed in, perhaps. Wow. Mine was the eye feeling. Scrutinised, perhaps.
1: Would you scribble eyes? I
0: was always drawing eyes, eyes, eyes. Like, yeah. like physical? Physical uh, eyes. eyes. I, that would be my go-to doodle wow. in, a, in a booth when, I, when the headphones went dead.
1: Yeah. So tell us about when they didn't go dead.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that time, yeah. I was working for a, a UK client. Yeah. So uh, they were working with me on a product which had uh, a UK and an Irish um series of ads and uh, they put on the talkback or they turned the talkback off or whatever mm. the correct one is, I'm, I'm not a sound engineer, uh, but they were meant to be unheard by me, but they were, they were joined in through ISDN and yep. um, the creative director said, they're just she's just very sibilant, isn't she just very, is it is she like a snake or is that just the way the Irish are in general?
1: Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> and, uh,
0: I just, you know, the sound engineer at the time yeah. and I were just looking at each other through the glass going and then they came back on, had no idea that we'd heard and uh, we just had to go along like everything was fine Because Did you reference
1: any snakes in, the, in your no, no, there's
0: absolutely no point, no, nobody no, wins Nobody no. wins with that, you no. know, and um, it's, uh, you just, again, you just have to not take it personally you have to become a master at not taking anything personally so... That's yeah.
1: it, you just it, you remove yourself. You're just there to provide almost like a not an automaton, but like you, you can't bring your too much uh, ego or feelings to the proceedings. You know, yeah, because you you're
0: have there. to provide a service with mm. your skill set. Absolutely, and, and you just have to do. You, yeah, you have to do what they want. Basically, you you are a bit of a a dummy in
1: yes. a sense. Yeah, yeah. There are invisible strings, but uh, sometimes it's not. It's like I would. Oh yeah. I don't know if this microphone's uh sensitive enough, but my stomach is gurgling, just in case. Don't edit that out. Um it's real life. Uh foley. But um the idea that uh, you you so that they, they choose a take mm. and in your head going, I could've done that better, I could have done that better. And I've actually had to tell a couple of voiceovers, just literally with the uh, you know. What, what do you call that sign? I'm doing it to the microphone where you're just like, uh, um, where you're slicing your throat. Yeah. But, uh, just shut <laughs> just up. Just stop. 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 Yeah. Stop suggesting. Another, you know, the client is happy. We This is done and dusted mm-hmm. because uh, a couple of times, and I might have done it myself, possibly in my earlier times as a voiceover. Can I just try one more thing? Or I've got an idea. Nobody usually wants yeah. to hear your idea. Um,
0: there's a deadline. There's a deadline. And it was yesterday. And
1: And you didn't write the script mm. and it's not your product. So, they are happy what's, with what's on tape, and please leave. That's another thing. No, we went to leave. Yeah, that was a huge thing for me uh, to learn. You know, you maybe pop in. This is <laughs> I'm almost talking the way I'm talking about voiceover now seems very old school, like popping your head into the studio. Because so much of the stuff I've done has been off. You know, um, not uh, has been remote.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Where you you know, there's nobody there, especially in the last year. Exactly, yeah. your dog is there, but um. uh you know, thanks, guys, for that, you know, you're just a little bit of, you know, a bon mo, if you will, and then leave, mm. whereas...
0: Some and it th- all depends on the layout of the particular studio. Sometimes yeah. it's so awkward because <laughs> the studio is separate and you have to go in physically yeah. to say goodbye. Yeah. And there is somewhere you have to walk through anyway, so that's fine. It's a natural goodbye I'm mm. heading out the door anyway. Yeah, whereas
1: you actually go in and actively say goodbye yeah, and you're probably and they're probably on to the next thing. They're you're interrupting them. They've forgotten them. about you. Yeah.
0: They don't know that... Totally. Yeah, it's like you're I'm gone. I'm just
1: thinking sometimes a, a Graham Norton ejector seat is what's required yeah. and you're just going out and tube in the back of the building onto your right. bicycle or whatever your mode of transport slip
0: is. away quietly it's yeah, finding yeah. that balance should i slip away quietly or just a quick and, and the, go in and go can i have yeah. a coffee how's yeah. it going
1: depends on the place as well you yeah know, well you know them but sometimes people i found especially like everyone's lovely but sometimes i wouldn't have time for the chats because i have to get this thing over to the client in 10 mm. minutes you know Uh, so it's funny you just harken back way back to what you asked it's the tension between the two i I don't think it's a tension it's a learning between the two and knowing how to maybe better react to a situation having been on the other side of the situation Mm. that has helped me a lot in um doing stuff like i was doing adr for stuff um just last saturday i was in screen scene and uh just um just the idea of me making people comfortable especially when people are remote and one one person's in behind the glass but the other person's on zoom and and it was like four o'clock in the morning in los angeles and you know had, you know they were just bleary eyed trying to stay up for this thing so just trying to keep everyone happy chatting but also moving the session along because nobody actually wants to be chatting at four in the morning mm. you know so uh yeah just the idea it's just um i guess it's yeah, driving the ship or whatever yeah. you want to call it. And
0: coming back to the plate, splitting, the yes. plate spinning, plate which spinning. you're obviously quite adept at at this stage.
1: Yeah, I guess so. Uh, I'm trying to be better at it. I don't take it too personally either. You know, sometimes the plate wobbles, and but you're spending more time on something else that needs your attention. So you you can't be running around like a blue horse fly, which I kind of was last year because it was my first year of um going freelance as a sound engineer. Yeah. And I guess I had a flavour of freelance voiceover for my whole life because that's kind of what you are. You're a freelancer. But it was a big difference because voiceover was my secondary income. It was never my primary. There was always something else going on, be it music and then sound engineering. So uh, I guess you're putting pressure on yourself to say yes to all the jobs that come your way and work all hours and weekends. So I'm trying to just find that balance. And if, you know, a plate, to overuse this metaphor, does wobble or... I won't let it fall off, but there are priorities and also just taking breaks and just, you know, being good to yourself outside work. Mm. Because the more I do this, the more I realise it's, you know, it's part of my identity, but it's certainly not my whole identity.
0: Yeah. And do you think that you've learned that more because of the lockdown and the shift in our cultural perception around how important working is? You know, I think most of us would have pre-lockdown and pre-COVID and all that really seen our identities primarily as what we do mm-hmm. as opposed to who we are and what we are in other aspects of our lives
1: couldn't agree more and it really helped me realize that And it was very often than not more often than not uh quite an uncomfortable place to be when you're realizing that if i'm not the guy who does this this and this then what am i um, and then you uh run into the wilderness in a loincloth, screaming, um, and, you know, do mushrooms around a campfire and, you know, come out right there. That, that, no, that actually happened, but it may well happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but the idea that um, one defines oneself, and it was quite normal to do it,
0: mm-hmm.
1: even as a musician, you know, because obviously a uh, musician being, you know, somewhat in a high-profile band, and, you know, it, it kind of takes care of your identity a lot. Oh, Yo, you're that guy from that band, cool wouldn't, you know, nobody knows you from Adam, but, you know, they, they've they seen you play maybe uh, a show or seen you on The Late Late or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is, you know, every person's dream. But uh, the, you know, that's only a, a tiny portion of who you are. And, yeah, just the idea of trying to step back from that. It's an ongoing process. and I, I don't think I'm alone. I've been talking to other people about that kind of thing, but it's interesting you bring it up. And, yeah, the idea of um just I wouldn't say compartmentalizing, but, you know, not living your life as the guy who does this for money, Mm -hmm. (laughs) be whatever this is. Uh, And do you think
0: that we're finally coming? I wouldn't say that we've arrived there, but that we're finally moving towards a place where we can value ourselves beyond our income. Because that's what it wow. all comes down to, doesn't it, really? You know, it's our career. Our, our our career is our primary identity, which is slowly shifting over the last year. Mm. But is it our primary identity because it provides us with financial, you know, with finances? And have mm. we always associated our value and worth with how much we earn? I think that's it's certainly
1: an ingrained thing, uh, maybe in, in, in where we have grown up or... In in the society we are, of course, we live in a capitalist society. But I I uh, think—are
0: we moving beyond that somehow, slowly, tentatively?
1: Not having talked to everyone in society, I don't Mm. know. But certainly, it's—I
0: in your perception, of
1: course, yeah. I I, having and you know the conversations that do come up. uh, I'm just loving the idea. Uh, Actually, just a a slight little side point. Just having lived through lockdown in the city centre and. And walked my dog into the city centre at night and it's an absolute ghost town and part of me or actually more than part of me a lot of me quite likes it the the idea that not that i'd wish ill on anyone's business but the idea of this crazy mill of people constantly spilling out of pubs or you know buying stuff uh, and just you know keeping the machine going has ground to a very obvious halt and it's it's a It's a very scary place sometimes, Dublin, uh, recently just walking through it and it's like a couple of ghosts around. Mm. Um, But I kind of not necessarily looking forward to the whole reopening and everything just coming back. And And the hysteria that's probably going to
0: uh, come along with that because, you know, even just... As you mentioned at the beginning, the strangeness of us being in the same, occupying the same space, mm-hmm. breathing the same air, and the anxieties yeah. that come around that in a small space. And uh, thanks for reminding me. I know. Yeah, you can you can hose yourself down with right. the sanitizer okay. on the way out. Yeah. Um, but when that all reopens, we are coming back to what was the normal, but as completely different people. We mm-hmm. we haven't. No one has gone through this last year and a bit unscathed. So, mm. you know, it's going to be...
1: I think I also discovered I'm an introvert. I never, you know... Mm. One of the many things I discovered about myself in the last 12 months, but...
0: Uh, a sound engineer and introvert? Who
1: knew? But then I have this, the flip Groundbreaking. side. Groundbreaking. Yeah, I know, yeah. But then you have this sort of performance side of me with the voiceover music. Yeah. But then, you know, uh, I can easily talk on a microphone to you or to many thousands of people at a gig. And as
0: long as you're wearing a mask.
1: Well, no, even recent like... I did. So just before lockdown, I went, uh, a friend of mine, he has this great sabbatical he takes uh, and he gets paid to go to research uh, movies in Los Angeles. He said, do you want to come? I've got, you know, the Airbnb booked. It's an extra bed. So it was brilliant. So I brought my, uh, actually borrowed a guitar when I was over there and did some shows and coffee shops just because I hadn't done that in ages. Um, and it was kind of nice dipping the toe back in. And plus I'd never played my songs in America either. So it was just a bit of crack. Um, but uh, I, it, it was funny just stepping out in front of people who didn't even know me. Like there might be one person in the audience who might know me. And there's a place in town I played just before called the Ruby Sessions, which is a wonderful Tuesday night gig in Doyle's of Fleet Street, and they have everyone from unknowns to really famous people play acoustically. So I did a couple of my acoustic, sort of almost acoustic cover versions of my electronic stuff, and um, it went out really well. But there were people in the audience who knew me but uh, to play to people who have no idea who you are, but get them singing along to your song, was really gratifying. A um, mm. room of complete strangers on the other side of the pond. Um, and that really sort of scratches my performance itch hugely. Uh, and I can switch that on. Mm. I can, And it's almost like I can talk easier to a crowded room of people, sometimes less crowded than mm. you
0: like.
1: Um, easier than to one person. one, one Even talking to you, because you know, we've been in the same room for the last... Uh, mm time has flown but uh, this is not normal for me even mm. just to be locked on to somebody and talking It makes me feel slightly uneasy um,
0: yeah whereas it's you can almost th- an out of body experience I think
1: yeah and it's not just because of the lockdown and not seeing people and being yeah. remote and all that but just the idea of it is, is, um, is slightly um, unnerving for
0: yeah.
1: me yeah <laughs> uh, but uh yeah, and then to switch over to just getting a microphone in front of loads of people. Yeah. It's, it's a funny one, but... Uh,
0: and do you see yourself doing that when the lockdown ends yeah, in earnest?
1: Yeah, not necessarily do in you have a,
0: Do you have an urge to go back to music, mm. music performance on the stage? Well,
1: in the last year, I've just been putting together, uh, I guess, what's the point? Of, I don't even know if you call it an album these days, but I just wanted to amass 20 songs and then either I'd split it into two albums or just release them drip feed them just to have something ready to go kind of thing and um, I was rushing myself and going oh you're not you know finishing these songs because you know starting is easy finishing any artistic project is the hard part mm. but um recently I just let it, let it flow and I'll I'll them eventually and then I'll figure out what to do with them uh but uh you often, when you're recording, you go, how would I translate this live? Mm. And a part of me goes, yeah, you could do that. You could hire, you know, that musician or how would I do it all myself? And another part of me just wants to just let the music speak for itself and not necessarily back it up with live shows. Um, I guess it depends what day you catch me because I do love mm. performing. But um, that's, um, a very, that's the performance side of me wanting to jump out.
0: So that's the two sides kind of at war.
1: Yes, there's that tension you so rightly um, pinpointed. (laughs) But tension is nice, you know, it it makes interesting things. It doesn't let you just sit on your, rest on your laurels. Yeah,
0: it is. It's a propelling thing, isn't it?
1: Yeah, but I think you asked me something just about that. Uh, But uh, how will people come back and how we value ourselves as well? Um, I I know we may have covered it, but I think it is an interesting question that I think a lot of people will find it's hard to readjust a little Mm. or will people just go nuts and just go have a very short memory and attention span and go back to how we were which
0: we have a history of showing yes
1: yeah I'd like to think just personally I'd take something from it and be Mm. a different hopefully better or more informed self-informed person than I was yes and less distracted by things that aren't necessary
0: Mm -hmm. possibly and and
1: more distracted by important things (laughs) if that makes sense
0: yeah distracted in a good way
1: Yes, or more in tune.
0: Well, that's a fantastic pun, and
1: not meant to be a pun.
0: Yeah, there you go. Um, Well, it was lovely chatting to you, and uh, great to hear about all the stuff that you're up to. And is there anything that you're? And is there anything that you're working on at the moment? Oh yeah, we're good, yeah. And is there anything that you're working on at the moment that's exciting you? You're like what's what's happening in the world of Tim at the moment? The world
1: of Tim. Well, uh, really enjoying doing lots of ADR stuff and screen scene for various things and uh, then on the more local level, um, working on a um really informative and it's it's very relevant because it's to do with it was came out of lockdown the first series and the second series of open for business on RT. That's kinda my gig at the moment, mixing. It's uh, just going through every aspect of, I guess, Irish life and uh, seeing how people are coping, but from a business point of view, because that's a huge part of how people are, as we just, you know, just discussed Mm -hmm. um, and how they're coping. Um, And then on the music side of things, just, uh, as I said, recording, but recording for pleasure. And then as a result, I think being happier with what's coming out of it as well. So, um. Obviously, a nice sync here and there in, the, in, a, in a feature film would be nice. So there's, you know, part of me thinks that's a nice way to get music out these days, yeah. Instead of maybe drapes and venues.
0: Well, yeah. Again, another thing that has completely changed oh, yeah, since yeah. on the on the way, it has been changing for a long time. But mm. since lockdown, changed again utterly.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: To borrow a Yates phrase,
1: hopefully, a uh, Not so terrible beauty is born.
0: Mm. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent stuff. And just one final question, very important. Mm-hmm. How do you spell voiceover?
1: For how many points?
0: And it, it has many answers, so this is a debate.
1: So on my LinkedIn, it's or
0: Okay, but that that's at odds with Oxford and Cambridge, who say V-O-I-C-E hyphen, I mm, I don't...
1: I Apparently
0: don't. that's the noun. And the really? voiceover as one word is the adverb. Oh,
1: two... Sorry. And the an voice...
0: Adverb. The adverb is the describing. So you would say, oh, I, yeah, yeah. I voice... I have to voice over a voiceover.
1: Ah, okay.
0: Voiceover, one word, voice hyphen over being the noun.
1: Interesting. I was like, mm. hmm. Um,
0: but this is a debate because you can't hashtag voice dash over... So it does you, not exist. You can't hashtag with a hyphen. Oh, oh, okay. So is it the way you say it mm. or the way you write it? What's the most important thing to you?
1: Well, obviously, how you say it.
0: Yeah, for you, it's all about sound. So maybe it doesn't matter how yeah, you spell it. Yeah, and you can't it. hear a
1: hyphen, really. No. Or, 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 how would you, can you Can you speak a hyphen? Voice over. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I think you just did it. I think you just did it (laughs) in a a perfect hyphen. Okay,
1: right. Well, yeah, uh, to be honest, I wouldn't get too hung up on it. Yeah, but uh, it has. Maybe
0: you can you can think about it tonight at about 3 a.m. When you wake up in a cold sweat, you'll be wondering, is it voiceover or voice dash over?
1: Or VO, indeed.
0: Or VO. VO just kind of or voice actor. Voice actor. But you can only do that if you've done a bit of ADR, a bit of audiobook. Of animation? Oh, really? Is is
1: that like you get the keys to the kingdom then? Mm, yeah. All right. Well, I've done I've done loop groups and I've done AD or I haven't done an audiobook. The Audiobook doesn't necessarily appeal to me, mm. but that's just my lazy attitude.
0: <laughs> it's the hardest work. Yeah.
1: For not necessarily the
0: the most amount, the most amount of money. <laughs> yeah. I know it's a bit it's tough unless you're um, doing Harry Potter and indeed, yeah. You're Stephen Fry. Your,
1: your rates are right up there. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: yeah. Anyway, so that was just a little voiceover or voiceover. It doesn't really matter. Mm-mm. It's all about the sound for you.
1: Indeed. Yes.
0: That's it. Thanks for coming <laughs> on, Tim. Uh, it's been great to chat to you on this uh, rap chat. And uh, wishing you all the best. Where can we hear more about you and more about your work?
1: Well, timodonovan.com. And there's two choices. There's either voiceover or audio. Engineering, so it's it's the genius of the internet. You can click on one and be brought to one HTTP site or the other.
0: Fantastic! Yeah,
1: or LinkedIn. Yeah,
0: great stuff. All right, (laughs) see you. Cheers. Thanks for joining us for another episode of F and I Rap Chat. And if you want to hear more from us, visit wearefni.com or find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and the whole lot. And um, we want to say thank you, as always, to the wonderful Film Equipment Store, Wildcard Distribution and Octavit.com and uh, also the podcast studios here where we do all our recordings. So thanks again for listening and see you next time.